Dan Perry is a former top editor of the Associated Press who at various times oversaw news coverage of the Middle East from Cairo. He also covered Europe and Africa, and he did that from London. He was also the bureau chief in Jerusalem and chairman of the Foreign Press Association. He was there for the second intifada and the author of two books on Israel. Today, he serves as managing partner of New York-based Thunder 11, a PR agency, as well as writing political columns for Newsweek, the Jerusalem Post, and other publications. He analyzes world affairs for I-24 TV station in Israel. He was born in Israel, grew up in Philadelphia, and is now back in Tel Aviv, where he and his wife are raising two daughters. Welcome, Dan Perry. We're really happy to have you here on uh, Out of the Box with Jonathan Russo. We're going to discuss a topic um, very near to my heart, very dear to my intellectual self. Um, so uh, I'd like to begin by just saying I read your article in the Jerusalem Post, and uh, it's going to be the roadmap for this podcast, chapter and verse, paragraph by paragraph. It was brilliant in my mind. I had said it all. Um, we're going to discuss the topic of the diaspora uh, and uh, the new government uh, in Israel and what's going to happen with the relationship between the uh, American diaspora and the Israeli government. Um, Dan, before we start, obviously your credits are incredible and you know, you're You've been involved in the Mideast and covering the Mideast as a journalist for decades. You, you you now live in Israel. You were born in Israel, but you spent time in the United States. So, you know, you're quite quite accomplished in, in those areas. I just want to briefly tell you my sort of story. It's, it's different, but um, there are some similarities. Uh, basically, I first visited Israel um, in 1965. Uh, it was a bar mitzvah present that my very enlightened parents gave me rather than throwing some garish bash they uh, decided to send me to israel um, we're not religious uh, at all my grandfather was religious my father less so uh, i was raised as a reformed secular jew in a very wealthy suburb in long island um but we were jewish you know so we went to temple we, we did you know jewish things i went to jewish camp but i wasn't a religious person i didn't speak hebrew or learn how to you know say 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 the prayers in Hebrew, et cetera, et cetera. But I visited Israel in 65, um, uh, it was 58 years ago, and uh, I have relatives there. So you wrote in your piece, very simply, that you know um, a lot of Americans identify with Israel because uh, by dint of fate, they could have been there. Well, I could have been there too. My family immigrated from Turkey, uh, my father's side to America, but some of them went to Israel. So I could have been part of the Israeli contingent. Briefly, I went to Israel um, and I met my family, it was an amazing experience. I was 14 years old. I was driven around in the one car they had for five families. It was a Willys Jeep that they used for uh, business purposes. I was putting a stool in the back and taken all over to my relatives. They lived in Lod. They lived in outside of Tel Aviv. It was a very simple life. They, they were happy, but they were simple. They didn't have a lot. They weren't affluent. There were no cars. There was no uh, you know, fine furniture, no great vacations. They lived in a very... Um, down-to-earth manner, but I loved them and I was very impressed by them. I've stayed in touch with them for 58 years. I also have lots of friends in Israel. Uh, I have investments in Israel. I've been writing about the Middle East and Israel for you know, about a decade right now. Um, it, it interests me. I've been writing about uh, the Palestinians, Hezbollah. I've written about uh, technology. I even write about Israeli food and chefs. Um, I've been involved in the Hebrew University. I'm very concerned about diversity and inclusion in the Hebrew University. I help sponsor a scholarship for the Urban Clinic. Um, I visit as often as I can, which is basically about once a year right now. So I have connections to Israel, but 
you know, I'm not making Aliyah there. It's not my uh, going to be my home, but I love the place. It means everything in the world to me. Uh, I think the Jews need a homeland, and that's the Israeli homeland. So that's my quick story. So I'm concerned about Israel. So I pick up the Jerusalem Post, or I'm reading the Jerusalem Post, and I see you write this article. Um, and it talks about the diaspora, the diaspora and uh, Israeli, the Israeli government. Give us an overview on your concerns right now, and then we'll go into the paragraph by paragraph. Well, my concerns primarily uh, are that Israel is going in the wrong direction dramatically. Uh, one manifestation of that, I think, uh, which will impact how things play out overall, is that I do not think the direction Israel is taking is one that is going to be appreciated by most American Jews. And that's relevant to Israel from an enlightened self-interest perspective, because uh, Israel has benefited in a variety of ways from the support of American Jews and from uh, the, the feeling of uh, commonality with American Jews. And it's a delicate thing because American Jews are sensitive to being seen as having dual loyalties. And I don't think they do. Um, they, you know, they're Americans first, most of them. Um, but they care about Israel. They care about Israel, many of them. Studies show really over half of them. Uh, to a degree that is exceptional. Uh, it's it's a greater degree than, you know, even what Irish Americans care about Ireland. They care about being Irish Americans, but, you know, they're not... Yeah. They're not really, you know, pressuring the U.S. government to support this or that right. thing in Ireland. American Jews have done that. American Jews account for a tremendous uh, disproportion of, uh, of donations to both parties, not just the Democratic Party that they overwhelmingly support. Uh, American Jews are very involved. APEC uh, is a powerful lobby. And, you know, uh, again, dancing around the delicate aspect that I alluded to before, uh, this hasn't harmed Israel. Uh, it can't be unconnected to the fact that the U.S. has a profound uh, strategic relationship with Israel. Uh, and that really matters, okay? I mean, Israel right. is a tech yeah. superpower. Uh, Israel is a is a strong military power for a lot of reasons, not only U.S. support, but at the end of the day, Israel's strategic situation would be looking a lot less convivial if uh, the U.S. wasn't projecting to the world that it has Israel's back. Right. Uh, and that is measured not only in, you know, dollars and cents and weaponry supplied and sold, but in the nearly automatic veto against anti-Israel measures at the U.N. Security Council. Right. Uh, and, and in general. So if the U.S. Jews turn their back on Israel, that may precede America, not severing ties, but, you know, delicately moving away in a nuanced fashion, the way diplomats do. And right. that's going to harm Israel. Right. And that, that is a movement in the United States. There are many people that are always always questioned Israel, uh, our support for Israel uh, versus uh, our need for oil from Saudi Arabia. Let's go into one of your paragraphs. Let's start with that. OK, you write. Um. For one thing, Israel is doubling down on the project of making itself inseparable from the Palestinians in the West Bank by the Jewish settlement of that territory. The result will be a binational state that is not democratic because Palestinians cannot vote. Let's unpack that. Okay, I am concerned about the settlements. Um, I've been to the West Bank several times. I mean, I was in Jenin 25 years ago for land day. I mean, it's not like I don't know what's going on over there and I'm not happy about it. I don't think it's the right direction for Israel in any way, shape or form um, to constantly expand the settlements. So I'm clear on that. 
but you tell me why is this a problem for uh, the American diaspora and the relationship between America and Israel with the West Bank? You know, it may not be that big a problem for Americans because the U.S. over the years has certainly not shied away from uh, from close ties to countries that were not democratic. Um, but specifically the ties with Israel are based on the notion that we have shared values. And, uh, and it's hard to see how the U.S., um, can maintain the you know the, the narrative that it has shared values, values with Israel, if Israel really becomes a country that ad infinitum controls a population of millions of people who are not only disenfranchised but surrounded by Israeli citizens who are very much enfranchised, uh, and and insisting that this is not you know some version of apartheid. Uh, the simple fact is Israel has controlled the West Bank for fifty five years. Um, the West Bank's population is 3 million. Israel is um, just about just under 10 million. In short, a quarter of the effective population of Israel is uh, this, it does not have the right to vote. And that makes something of a mockery of Israeli elections where these people can't vote. And yet they bear the consequences of the result, if certainly if the result is the far right government as you have today, uh, because that's the government that rules them. Um, and by the way, had Israel not pulled out of Gaza in 2005, the numbers would be even more stark. And the percentage of population that Israel, um, you know, rules but uh, does not uh, enfranchise uh, would have passed 40 percent and approached 50 percent. And you know right. that, that that isn't South Africa, where the you know the whites were barely 15 percent or even less. Right. Uh, but but it's not a good look. And, and by the way, I mean, putting aside, you know, the niceties of democracy and who has suffrage, it's going to lead to some version of a civil war. It already did. Uh, you know, the, the, especially the second intifada that was armed and extremely violent and, de and deadly was a version of a civil war. And that's where things are headed here. So honestly, the U.S., uh, US uh, you know, finger wagging is going to be the least of Israel's problems when this lunacy explodes. Is now, it seen... Does it seem to you that this government is actually provoking uh, uh, the, the Palestinians? Do they want some sort of a showdown in the West Bank? It almost seems that way to me with the visits to the Temple Mount and the doubling down on all of the statements about um, uh, supporting the, the IDF when it commits uh, incursions that may not be in Israel's interest. It just seems to be like a, a movement to reinforce the fact that Israel is occupying the, the West Bank and they don't care. Is that your perception? Uh, to a degree. I mean, you said a lot there. Uh, this government has right-wing elements, which are Netanyahu and the Likud. It has far-right elements that take great offense when you call them fascistic, but I, I can't discern a difference. Uh, and uh, and it has ultra-religious elements that kind of don't care. <laughs> That's the right. right issues. Yeah. Uh, the far right elements are just as you described. They want a provocation. They, they want, do. Yeah. No, I mean, they're going for some end of day scenario. By the way, possibly, uh, while being far less moral, maybe somewhat more intelligent than the mainstream Israeli right, because the mainstream Israeli right uh, doesn't seem to know what it wants yeah. as regards the Palestinians. If you tell them, look, guys, I mean, this is headed towards a situation where because of all these settlers, partition is no longer possible. What are you going to do? 
yeah. when the entire planet demands that you give the Palestinians <laughs> the right to vote. Otherwise, the notion of a democratic Israel will really rather quickly evaporate. They they don't really have an answer. And I think, really, uh, the infantile place they end up in is, well, uh, we're not going to annex the cities. So the cities and towns in Palestine will be surrounded by Israeli-controlled territory, and it'll be like, you know, several dozen islands of disconnected autonomy. And the Palestinians, every time they go to the bathroom at someone else's house, will have to pass through Israeli checkpoints. But, you know, their particular exact neighborhood will not be annexed, and that'll be just fine. That that is so dumb that um, you know uh, I, I can I can more understand the logic uh, uh, satanic though it be <laughs> of the far right yeah it's kind of itching for a war that will take care of business um, and what but, would that war result in a, 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 another um, Nikba where they're going to push the Palestinians into Jordan or, and Syria what, what, just just tell me in your well, mind I, like, I have what's say, a scenario one, one that, has that, to be one has to be very careful with that um uh i mean it really it really is explosive and i certainly don't want to be accused of uh you know incitement but it would be naive uh to think that some of the members of the far right in israel some of whom are in the cabinet right now uh do not yearn for such a thing as okay that's it we said it Okay, let's go to the second concern that you have in your article regarding the diaspora. Um, I'll read it. Second, is it Israel is detaching itself from the modern world via the fantastical Haredi birth rate, combined with the community's insistence on not educating its youth in marketable knowledge and adhering itself to the most rigid interpretation of Judaism. The government funding Haredi schools without a core curriculum offering unlimited child allowances and providing lifelong salaries about to be doubled for seminary students will deepen the disincentive to normalcy. Whoa. What is this all about? Well, look, it's um, people have a right to their own way of life. And um, in most societies, for them to prosper and remain stable, it's probably a good idea for there to be some version of a consensus of what is up and what is down. In Israel, uh, there's a real challenge in that regard because the Haredi community, um, which are akin to what in New York we call Hasidim generally, but that's actually somewhat inaccurate in terms of the exact sects, but ultra-Orthodox, very, very devout, um, uh, you know, highly uh, inclined to spend uh, much of their life uh, in a way that revolves around religion and very conservative as regards the roles of the gender roles and, you know, a lot of things about modernity. Uh, they they are uh, rapidly expanding because the average family size is around seven children. Uh, now, from the perspective of a secular Israeli, this this is really quite a challenge to what the country may end up looking like shortly. Right now, the Haredim are about one in eight Jewish Israelis, maybe, maybe more, one in six Jewish Israelis. Uh, but given that their birth rate is basically close to triple that of all, all other Israelis, except for the Israeli Arabs, who aren't at this level, but, but they're high, um, the community doubles itself as a proportion every 16 years. So what, what may have appeared to be, you know, a small minority that can be contained 
20 years ago is looking like it's going to be a majority in three or four generations unless something changes. Now, what, what's the dynamic? The dynamic is, as I say, this very high birth rate, um, not caused by, but certainly somewhat enabled by the policy of, uh, of um, child subsidies, pretty much ad infinitum for every additional child you have. So that's a version of a subsidy. They then, not all of them, but most of them, refuse to uh, have a core curriculum in their in their sectorial schools, uh, which means no math, English, or science, and hence the graduates are unemployable in a modern economy. Um, they have very specific gender roles, obviously. Uh, the men are encouraged to spend their life studying religion. And, and not only this, but uh, I mean, some of their uh, community leaders actually say that this is the greatest service that can be, and it's a greater sacrifice than being in the army and potentially dying. This is things they actually say, right. and it causes the secular heads to explode. Uh, especially, but, why, but then why are the secular heads supporting them? Why why would they send them uh, subsidies? Why would they pay for the to have more children and stay home and, and study the Torah? I understood when Israel was founded, there were four hundred. Um, Torah scholars and Ben Gurion um, encouraged them because they were bringing the, the 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 history of Judaism, if you will, that was exterminated in in Eastern Europe or in Europe to Israel, and he encouraged this. And so there were four hundred. Now they're you know I don't know five hundred thousand or something. So why would a secular government send money um, to to support continue to support this? Is it well? Uh, look, it used to be that the Haredim had the balance of power. Their parties could go either left or right because they didn't care about the issues that divided left from right. And so that gave them uh, bargaining power. Right now, it's a different uh, reality. They are part of the right. So there is no real you know, uh -huh. bargaining power other than when together with the right, they win a majority in parliament, then, th then they have extortionary power. Unless, unless the leader of the right can somehow threaten to instead make a coalition with the center left, that no longer applies because Netanyahu is seen as uh, uh, illegitimate because he has insisted and somehow succeeded in clinging to power while being on trial for bribery, and this, this is, has proven too much <laughs> for the center left, and so they they they, they boycott him. And they, they had to promise, all the leaders of the center-left party pretty much were like marched out and made the promise that they would never do a coalition with Netanyahu. And, and given that, because of a series of rather spectacular mistakes made by the center-left in, in the last campaign, the right actually got a majority of 64 out of yeah. 120 in the Knesset, they called the shots. Uh, if the center-left ever really was able to create a strong government, uh, then I have to assume that they would indeed address this issue, phase out child subsidies, phase out funding for schools that don't have a core curriculum, uh, you know, phase out funding for the enormous uh, bureaucratic infrastructure of religion in Israel uh, that, uh, <laughs> that basically uh, has make work jobs for those of them who do work, for many of them. Um, and take other steps to sort of reverse the dynamic, uh, but primarily, primarily, uh, to 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 engineer a new reality where they enter the workforce and where when they, where they have modern education and are employable, and the fact that Israel faces uh, this medieval uh, reality, where by dint of demography they may end up like a Jewish version of Iran, 
is particularly galling to that part of Israel that currently is in the midst of one of history's great boom towns. Because the secular bit of Israel, still a majority, albeit divided and um, uh, impotent in a way, uh, is running one of the world's gen genuinely fascinating economies. In some ways, Israel's you know, so-called startup nation, a technological prowess of this country, is beyond all comprehension. It's kind of a miracle. Uh, and the numbers are there to back up the, you know, the narrative. It's incredible. What's what's the religious law called Halekla? How do you pronounce the religious law that that this that the uh, already want? Halacha. Okay, say it again. Halacha. Okay, I, I'm not going to be able to say <laughs> that. Okay, I, I don't think a lot of people um, in America understand the the war between uh, the secular and the religious is over that. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, that that law, the way you just pronounced it, is the is the religious desire to have the Torah become the governing law of the land and to abolish civil law so that you're going back to a biblical um, Talmudic time. That's where you use the word medieval. And this is real. I mean, they're constantly trying to agitate to get um, laws about when you can, where you can go on Saturday, where, how you can get married, how you can get divorced, you know, all the, all the, Things that civil law cover is now uh, is now under scrutiny and potentially a rollback. Is that not the case? Look, you got to be careful because they will claim that they don't want to impose halachic law on others. Um, however, they have not been shy by trying to shut down a country on the Sabbath in some ways that are very economically damaging. Uh, they do try to, you know, here and there use their power to get stuff to happen. Uh, that well, you know, don't they that, want that kind of freaks out the seculars? Right. But what what is what what makes this so dramatic is you know uh, is really the the birth rate because it's a it's a moving target. It's one thing when they're you know fifteen percent of the country, and it'll be something very different when they're sixty percent. And and there's no way to there's no way to envision a compromise. Not really, unless you kind of divide up the country into cantons that are genuinely independent. You know, there was a satire show this week that, uh in, in in which um they went to some public you know garden where kids play and you know ride around on bikes and stuff and it was like candid camera and they stopped people coming in and told them like there's now a division time for boys and time for girls because you have to separate the sexes <laughs> and and all these secular parents I mean, the ones that they showed anyway, yeah. they, they kind of bought it, were horrified, were arguing. <laughs> and, and, and the guy was telling me, yeah, I know the new government, we obviously uh -huh. <laughs> segregated the genders. And that's currently illegal in Israel. But right. that's not going to be illegal for long if this continues. And I mean, I have to say, it puts everyone in a very uncomfortable position because you can't tell people not to have kids. <laughs> it's you, it, it, the, the liberal in you re yeah. rebels against any such notion. Uh, but when there's no attrition, or almost none, about 5%, from what looks to the secular side like uh, a cult, basically, uh, it's terrifying. And, you know, I mean, uh, there is increasingly talk, and it kind of sounds fantastical, uh, maybe a bit of a joke. I even wrote an article about this for Times of Israel, about really actually dividing the country territorially, because... Right. 
they don't want to live together. They really right. don't. Yeah, they and don't. I think, and I think to the outside world, this is surprising uh, to say the least, because the Jews are considered somehow tribal and you know always defending one another. And you have in Israel this major bifurcation that. I mean, it sounds blasphemous to say, but could could actually lead to, to to a civil war between the Jews. Well, this has happened before. Give us one minute on on when this happened in the second century, because I know you know this, and so you know, to get, just give <laughs> before us before the minutes. second century. Look, it, I mean, there there were two previous Jewish sovereignties in in, in the Holy Land, um, and I think you're referring to the second one. There there was at some point genuinely a kingdom of Judea and a kingdom of Israel. And they were different, and they fought. And one was more, uh, 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 you know, liberal than the other in in the terms of two thousand and some years ago. Uh, and, and the fact is, no Jewish sovereignty lasted even a century. So people refer to Israel today uh, as the third house or the third temple. It's a third attempt to have Jewish sovereignty. And I remember years ago, I used to think that uh, catastrophist uh, <laughs> predictions that it won't last. Uh, uh, we're just silly, you know, and to the extent that people that people, uh, you know, were really actually afraid of some some great, you know, disaster. It had to do with the Arabs overrunning it or something or a nuclear attack by Iran or who knows what. Mm -hmm. The idea that it should crumble from from within yeah. is very dispiriting. Um, and and that right now looks like the most likely thing, frankly. Did you ever read Damascus Gate by Robert Stone? I've heard of that. Not really. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, this is this is his prediction, and he just writes a, a novel, but it's really it's chillingly accurate about uh, how how people want to bring that bring about the third temple. You know, religious um, nationalists. Uh, it's just a great book. It's really Look, interesting. I, I, I'll try to read it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have written my own uh, catastrophist prediction. <laughs> Tell uh, us, promote it, please, uh, to anybody listening. What is it? No, I mean, by, uh, it's nothing I want to see happen. Oh, no, I know. I, I want, I want partition from the Palestinians. I want yeah. uh, uh, a, a, um, a reshuffling of the deck with the Haredim to yeah. enable the country to survive as a modern country. Uh, I, I would, um, I would be very generous toward the Palestinians, you know, financially, but really give no quarter in terms of the right of return of refugees. Descendants. Uh, but look, I think what will happen if the right wing keeps ruling and they don't reverse their ways, which they might, because in the past that happened, Sharon did and Begin kind of did. Right. Uh, if if th things continue along the path that has currently uh, been laid out, then partition will be irreversible. And, uh, you know, when there's like a million and a half settlers and they're all over the place and you can't, it's just too many, the Palestinians will demand annexation. And I suspect the entire world will back them. They'll essentially want to become Israeli Arab citizens and they'll give up on their right to their own state because they'll be smart enough to know that the whole thing will become a Palestinian state. Because many of the Jews do not want to live in an Arab country. Um there is no precedent for an Arab country that uh, in this region that is run in, in the way that, that the right. liberal Israelis want to live. <laughs> right. So, you know, I hope one day the Arab world becomes no different from the rest of modernity. But right now, especially considering that the Palestinians have a lot of antipathy towards Israel, many of them, and it's highly understandable. Um it's going to, a, a one state outcome 
is probably going to be nightmarish. It'll probably resemble Yugoslavia or Lebanon much more than uh, Belgium or Canada. Uh, and even those aren't so happy. Yeah, yeah. Even um, those have had their had had tremendous. I, yeah. I have to think that mm -hmm. there will be a brain drain from Israel and a flight of uh, the liberal cosmopolitan and and by the way Ashkenazic side. That and and as that happens, it'll gather steam. Um, and uh, I would imagine in the end there would be a non-Jewish majority, and they'll change the name of Israel to Palestine. And oh, this okay. and this will have happened. Uh, because of the nationalist right, <laughs> not understanding that partition is in Israel's interest. It's not a favor you're doing to Palestinians. Uh, I have to add, though, and this is very important, it's not completely stupid because the military occupation of the West Bank is not illogical if you look at the map. Uh, without the entirety of the West Bank, uh, if you really return all the territory that was controlled by Jordan before 67, uh, Israel at its narrowest point. Yep. Yeah, is, I've been there. It's just yeah. over 10 miles wide. Yeah. And that's not wide enough. Nope. So the, the military occupation of a strategic highland overlooking Israel to prevent it from falling under the sway of uh, Islamic terrorists who have a history of firing rockets at you, this oh, is not a crazy idea. Not but at all. Right. But that is the military occupation, which in many ways is cruel, and it's unfortunate, and I wish it will one day not be, but it's not indefensible viewed from that perspective. But the colonization of the territory is. So I start so colonizing agree. it right. and, and, and have right. a dual system where Jews have rights and Palestinians don't, that's indefensible, and that's where they're headed. Fascinating. And I, I, boy, I completely agree with that from many different perspectives. But yes, let's go to the third part of your of your article. Um, it says that the, the Israel is quickly drifting away from the values of liberal democracy, which are the values of the U.S., indeed, the modern uh, inc incarnation of Jewish values too. the government's legal reforms, which would enable a dictatorship of the majority, eliminate human rights, guarantees and turn Israel into an authoritarian fake democracy antithetical to those values. And then you compare it at one point, I believe, to Turkey and to um, the other, let's see, what other two countries you, oh, Hungary and, and, and Hungary, Hungary and Poland, right? Where, you know, basically the extreme right has co-opted liberal democracy. They've stacked the courts, they've stacked the judiciary uh, to their way of thinking. They've censored the press is that that's your third concern and if israel does that that's just going to completely alienate american jews um saying like what are you thinking you know this isn't what we had in mind when israel was founded um you know and and you, they'll have lost their hasbara in, in terms of the american jews and perhaps even in the eyes of the world talk to us about that well most american jews are uh liberal um and i don't even mean like left-wing or progressive there's right. i just mean they're they're modern liberal people they're certainly liberal democrats um in in the classic sense of political science and and the u.s for all its troubles and weirdnesses is a liberal democracy uh and a liberal democracy is not just about uh majority rule or about free elections a liberal democracy is also about uh checks and balances uh, guaranteed rights and protection of the minority. You can't just let a majority run amok 
and declare that no one named Jonathan Russo can have a podcast. Because if, if the government tried to do that, the Supreme Court would strike it down. The current government in Israel is uh, intending to pass a law that would enable them to override the Supreme Court on any decision, like the one I mentioned, or like mm -hmm. any other decision. That would be fundamentally the end of guaranteed human rights in Israel. As long as the majority in the parliament uh, overrides the Supreme Court. And as if that weren't enough, they also want to greatly politicize the, the choice of uh, judges from the current effort that is balanced in some way between politicians and existing judges and uh, the, um, the lawyers guild and representatives of the public uh, to one where uh, the politicians appoint the judges. Now, the wrinkle uh, in uh, all this is that for America to complain uh, too much is slightly hypocritical because the US also has politicized the appointment of Supreme Court. Yes, justice. it has, right. But mm -hmm. at least America yeah. has uh, you know, a lot of checks and balances, practically paralyzed government, uh, and a constitution that is at this point pretty much impossible to change, uh, and it does offer guaranteed protections. And putting the US and its own peculiarities aside, uh, it's pretty clear in the world. You either have a liberal democracy with the things I mentioned, or you don't. And when you don't, it's a pretend democracy. And the current, uh, you know, big three of the pretend democracies are Hungary, Poland, and Turkey. Uh, yep. the, the, the huge cautionary tale is Russia, because yeah. Russia was a pretend democracy that, that yeah. veered into complete and total dictatorship, and that can happen too. Uh, and then you have other, you know, other countries that hold elections, but it's so farcical that they're not, they're not even a pretend democracy like Iran. Yeah. Uh, Israel is, uh, if these laws pass, wow. I mean, uh, it'll, you, you need a microscope to, to identify the difference between Israel and Poland uh, or, or Hungary. Uh, by the way, a lot of American Republicans would favor the same type of thing in the U.S. as well. They travel to Budapest and yes, yeah, you know, and yes. uh, drink at the trough of Viktor Orban. Yes, uh, but but the U.S. Constitution will likely prevent them from doing any such thing. In Israel, there is nothing to prevent it. And literally, if they pass the override clause, they could say, you know what, uh, the next election is in 2040, and when the Supreme Court strikes it down. They'll override the Supreme Court by a simple majority. How and close are they? Do, how close are they? Is Israel to actualizing this now? The override clause, extremely yeah. close. Like a the, week away, a month away, two weeks away, six months. Uh, away? I don't know. There's a lot of discussion about the the this timetable of the various elements of the so-called reform um, that will include politicization of the uh, civil service and and many other quite horrible things. So. The modern bit of Israel, the modern half of Israel, is so up in arms that it's hard to to describe. There is talk. There is talk of uh, civil disobedience. There has been a warning by the former defense minister Benny Gantz of civil war, uh, and there is a sense among the tech community, the finance community, uh, and others of, of of genuine impending doom. Uh, the only thing that I can think of that will prevent it is for uh, powerful players in the world community to make very clear to Netanyahu that this is a casus belli. 
not mm -hmm. for like an actual war, but for yeah. like a change yeah. in environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe, maybe uh, to borrow a phrase from the Bible, uh, there will be found five righteous men in Sodom. Mm -hmm. Because all you need is five rebels from the 64 right. uh, out of 120 coalition to block it. Right. How concerned is the tech community? It's funny, you know, when I, I, I got my subscription uh, documents for uh, a fund, Israeli venture capital fund, uh, I, I invested in 10 years ago. They sent like nine pages of things that could happen <laughs> in the Mideast. <laughs> and one of them actually was like, you know, Israel could go into like a civil war. We can't really guarantee that, you know, today's rules and regulations will be in fact the rules and regulations when, you know, when these mature or whatever, it was really interesting and sobering. I guess they had to put it in there for legal reasons, but they really outlined exactly the scenario you're talking about. Yeah. Look, I mean, I have to say it's a disclaimer. There are, you know, different points of view, even within tech community and the finance community. Community, investor community. However, uh, however, in in those sectors I mentioned, the the feeling is strong that this is spectacularly unwise. Right. Uh, and look, markets want stability. Yeah. Uh, Standard and Poor's has already issued a warning. Right. Uh, I mean, other players like Jacob Frankel, uh, formerly of J.P. Morgan, also former. Uh, governor of the Bank of Israel uh, came out very strongly against it today. Essentially, investors need to know their investments are guaranteed and that an industry cannot be nationalized overnight right. <laughs> and the right. contracts are backed by the courts. Uh, you're point. not likely to be a mecca for investments uh, for long if, 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 you, if, if you run your affairs in this way. Um, okay, that brings us to a final kind of question. Um, how do you see, because you spend time in America and, you know, you obviously um, you know, have, have connections here, deep connections, and you really are a binational in a sense. How do you see the American diaspora um, making a contribution to this issue or reacting to it or influencing it? What would you recommend for people who, like myself, are very concerned, love Israel, have deep ties to Israel? Um and are worried about Israel and this direction on so many levels, um, but want to see it succeed. What what leverage, what influence would we have, or how would what direction or action should we take? Well, look, I mean, if you ask me what could influence the government, I would say that a high-level delegation uh of almost every significant Jewish leader in America mm -hmm. coming to Israel and warning specifically against this one thing uh would be noticed that's for sure uh I, I do believe that it is untrue that you have to live in a country to criticize it i don't live in north korea not opinion <laughs> about north korea uh, i think this idea that american jews mustn't uh you know comment upon israel because they don't live here is genuinely infantile uh and yeah i mean this is the time to leverage what is a real relationship yeah. well i've course, also 
I've always thought that too, only for the simple reason that, you know, 1955, you know, my father bought Israeli bonds. So the Israelis came to the, you know, the Jewish community in America and said, hey, could you support us so we could actually survive, you know, and actually build a state and, and the American Jewish community responded and said, yeah. And one of the ways we all did that was to buy Israeli bonds. So we became shareholders in the state of Israel, you know, at that moment. And I think we've given birth to the state of Israel or helped given birth to the state of Israel. I have done that. And so I, I view that myself i have a stake at the table you can't deny mm -hmm. that to me if you want to take my contributions Either you want my I, contributions or you don't want my contributions. if you don't want them then don't take them but you want them i get a seat at the table that's how i feel i think a person like you uh obviously has a seat at the table uh but i go further and say a person like anyone <laughs> has a right to say whatever they want it's still a free universe uh and you know advice is sometimes welcome even from distant quarters uh, the caveat is that although I'm pretty sure the majority of American Jewish leaders don't really want this, and certainly American Jewish figures are known widely to the public, like actors and you know, uh, celebrities of various kinds, of course, of course, they're horrifying. But the truth is that the minority of American Jews uh, who are Orthodox uh, have a different point of view, by and large. They're not uniformly against this at all there you know there's there's american haredim slash hasidim but also modern orthodox americans are more conservative remember that 20 to 25 percent of american jews do vote for the republicans um and the thing is they are the more active ones they hmm. uh and they're the ones who are not disappearing by dint of intermarriage so there is a narrative that says that the Orthodox may be minority of American Jews now, and they're certainly, you know, not the ones who give the world Jerry Seinfeld and Mark Zuckerberg, but you know what? Those latter ones are going to disappear, uh, and the Orthodox will forever remain. That's so actually the, true. That, 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 that is actually accurate, yes. Yeah. So the American Jewish community is, yeah. in a way, a moving target as well, and yeah. also, in different ways, moving in a similar direction. Well, that's very true. I mean, when you look at, uh, you know, college kids today, unless they've gone to like birthright Israel, I mean, they're so disconnected from Israel, it's not even funny. I mean, they just don't have the the sense of um, <clears throat> importance of, of Israel uh, that 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 that, that uh, older people have, people my age have, you know, the, the Holocaust is so distant from them, you know, whereas it was still in my life in 1951 when I was born and when I was raised, it was still in the air. The Holocaust was still fresh. I mean, you know, they, when they kidnapped Eichmann in, what, in the 60s, right? I mean, you know, th this wasn't like a million years ago, but it now seems like a million years ago to, to, to people. So the whole rationale for the state of Israel uh, as, as a recipient of the 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 anti-Semitism of, of Christianity for you know two deck two centuries um is is yeah. two millennia, excuse me, two centuries, two, two millennia so you know, is it, just gone. I mean they just people just don't understand that, but that's another, you know, that well, that, people, that is a real issue. You can hardly blame them. Uh no, I mean maybe you can, but people do have a short historical memory. Uh, in, in all places with all things. <laughs> that's the constant. No, that's uh, true. And beyond that, look, Israel's changing in ways that maybe are less appealing to young American Jews, as as is indeed the topic of our discussion. On top of which, um, America, uh, again, for all its problems, is uh, 
is uh, extremely appealing to assimilate into. The, the idea of maintaining some uh, real distinction and a strong yeah. attachment to a foreign yeah. country is not something that's going to come naturally to your average, young, successful American person. That is so totally true. I mean, if you look at my friend group, they're from five nationalities, six nationalities, we Irish, Italians, you know, Portuguese, Hispanics, they, they, they never put that front and center. Yeah. That does not come between them and myself uh, in any manner ever. You know, we're it's friends for a million other reasons. And that isn't that that isn't an affinity group that they hide behind and say, oh, you know, I'm not going to be friends with you because I'm Polish. This is absurd. But America <laughs> is so is so containing of all of this. That is that true. It's actually led to a redefinition of what would it, what, what the words even mean. Yeah. I have plenty of friends in America who say I'm Italian. <laughs> and I want to say, no, no, dude, you're not Italian. You've, you've yeah. never been to Italy. And he couldn't point it out on a map. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Italian-American has become Italian. And American and Jewish-American uh, could very much be analogous. It need not forever um, involve be Zionist. a close, yeah, yeah, close emotional bond yeah. to a distant country that's doing extremely problematic things. Yeah. If Israel were a little bit more strategic and intelligent, uh, they would cherish uh, the, the miracle of American Jews' uh, sense of belonging to Israel and, and preserve it, as, as opposed to a lot of the things that go on. Very interesting. Okay. I think you've educated me uh, tremendously. I hope you've educated uh, and informed our listeners. I really think your insights into this are so accurate and well articulated. I would encourage everybody to read um, all of your books and all your articles and subscribe to your, you know, two or three time a week uh, push thing, Dan Perry. Um, I guess. Oh, I got to I got to do a shameless plug. Do yes. it, do it, do it, do, do, do a few of them. Go right ahead. Well, I got to do is Google Dan Perry Substack. There you go. And yes, subscribe to my, uh, to my yeah. newsletter, ask questions later, where I analyze not only uh, Middle East and Israel stuff, but I was also in the past uh, the, the editor of AP for Europe and Africa and also the Caribbean. So <laughs> there's a, the world is my oyster and uh, I try to make it entertaining. <laughs> and I think you've certainly done that for us. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm really appreciated. Hope to have you on again. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. My pleasure. Listeners, thanks again for tuning into Out of the Box with Jonathan Russo. Your input is valuable to us and we'd really like to hear from you. Please send us an email anytime with feedback at OOTB with jrusso at gmail.com and follow us on our Twitter page, OOTB with jrusso. Listeners, believe it or not, we're on Instagram. Please follow us at OOTB with jrusso on Instagram. This has been a copyrighted production of Grapevine Incorporated. All rights reserved.